0: and judgment in health. How then, if that be the case, can we read from the book of James? The book of James chapter 4, 13 to 14. Just to enhance this conversation, blessed people, the book of James chapter 4, before we take a short break. James chapter 4, 13 to 14. And he says, In King James, I begin with King James on this round. Go to now, ye that say, again, sorry. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain, make profit. Whereas ye... Know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. That is King James. Amplified faith. the book of James, chapter 4, 13, 14. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a city and spend a year there and carry on our business and make money. Yet you do not know the least thing about what may happen tomorrow. What is the nature of Of your life, and then he answers, He says, You are really but a whiff of vapor, a puff of smoke, a mist that is visible for a little while and then disappears into thin air. How powerful! Blessed people, in discussing the reason and the message why Jehovah has lowered the glorious chest of eternal life, everlasting life, into the sky for this generation to see and record and share on social media and develop a conversation around it, eternity in heaven. We now run into Ecclesiastes chapter three eleven, and then to enhance it, I read the book of James chapter 4, 13 and 14. And it's so powerful. Because this now facilitates, enhances, it raises further the design the Lord laid forth in Ecclesiastes three eleven, with which he created you, the church. You tuned in now, listening. He says he created you with the constant, perpetual, unquenchable awareness that no matter the beauty, the splendor of the earth and its things. The fullness therein, that nothing at all on the earth would ever satisfy your heart and your soul, your mind, except God and God's eternity. So now, in that design, we even develop a greater understanding from the book of James, because it says here that the reason the Lord did set the heart of man mankind that way is because, number one, he was aware that the hearts of men are easily corrupted. I remember too well when the children of Israel were about to enter the promised land and the Lord Yahweh was speaking with them and he was telling them that look now, I know you are going into that land. Now you are pledging to me that Lord, we shall do everything the Lord has said. But I want you to understand one thing: that when you go in there, there are so many ensnarements, so many enticements that might draw your heart away from worshiping Jehovah, this mm-hmm. mighty God of Israel, who has done such a mighty, stunning thing by liberating you from Egyptian slavery and bringing you into the land, into the land of milk and honey. So the Lord was speaking with them in that form. In other words. The Lord was saying, despite your vows, I know the hearts of men. I am the one that created the hearts of men, so I really, really know the heart of mankind. And the way I created mankind is such that I want to from his heart that despite the sloths and pleasures of the world, the delusions of this world, that the lostness that would make him lost away, from the means and the will of God, I would want him to love me and come to me, worship me voluntarily, the way it was in the garden before the fall. After all, which parents never long to have their children love them voluntarily. And so this now serves a powerful purpose because in the design of his creation of the heart of man, then they now say, the reason I did so is why? Because I wanted to give that kind an advantage. Why? Because in James we see now that the life on this earth is just like a vapor. A vapor. Even huge mountains are mowed down by earthquakes. A mere vapor. A mere smoke. A mere mist that appears for a little while and disappears. How often awesome that the Lord was so taught for mankind that he saw the condition, the vulnerabilities, the vulnerabilities of the heart of man, and then now he put in, i says, an implant. He put in this implant about eternity that is constantly transmitting into the fiber of the heart of man the eyes, the needs, be aware about eternity. That when you see, you can take it, prepare well and take it. How awesome, beloved people, that the Lord created mankind with this kind of understanding and knowing that the things of this world are passing away. This world is passing away. And that he loved mankind so much that he created him in such a way. When Christ Jesus came and availed the cross, the way of the cross, this way of the tears is the way of the cross. That all that believe in Him, accept Him, receive Him, and believe in Him, their lives would now transcend. Their lives of peace would transcend the, 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 the perishability, would transcend the mortality, would transcend the the temporal the temporariness of this world and that you would live on forever and ever in the glorious kingdom of heaven, the glorious kingdom of eternity. How powerful that he was so thoughtful of man, and he placed in him that aspect of eternity that constantly reminds him that, please, the hour has come to prepare for eternity. The hour has come for preparing for heaven. How powerful, beloved is. But how? Before we go into how, how the Lord really did anchor, did anchor the hearts of men into his throne room in heaven, before we go into how the Lord did anchor, did ensure that the hearts of all men ever created, even not yet born, are now with a special, spiritual, divinely prepared, eternal spring that there are strings now all over, strings that are emanating from the throne of God in the heart of every living man, being, person rather, drawing them to eternity, drawing them to the throne room of God, drawing them to the mercy seat of the ark of the covenant of the Lord, where Christ Jesus the Messiah touched his own blood. He entered the Holy of Holies of Heaven by his own merit on the merit of his own blood and triumph over death and atone for your sins. He's saying that he created the hearts of all men with that thing that is he anchored, is riveted, anchored onto the mercy seat. Christ anchored the heart. Before we go to look at how Christ anchored the hearts of all men, I just want to explain a little bit more on this prophecy of Isaiah. Isaiah beautifully describes how to come to bring this light, this light that would connect us into the kingdom of glory, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of Yahweh, the kingdom of Jehovah, the kingdom of God. And now I want to couple it to add on top what we now know from Ecclesiastes chapter three eleven and James chapter four, verses thirteen to fourteen. So that we may explore a little bit further. Because I've said that the Lord lord the glorious tears, the reason he Lord the glorious tears of God until now, we have now seen that the reason he Lord the glorious tears of heaven into the sky is because he knows how he created your heart. And he says he created your heart by design in such a way that he placed an implant of eternity in the heart, in your heart, that whenever eternity is presented to you. You would prioritize eternity over all the splendor and majesty and beauty and whatsoever and all of this world, but you now abandon them, drop them down from your hands, and prioritize and focus yourself upward, heaven. Prioritize into the eternal glorious kingdom of heaven. Until now, that's what we've seen. Why? Because we've seen that. He made sure that when he created all the splendor of everything he did on the earth, he also ravished them by placing a special chip in your heart that constantly reminds you, constantly reminds you, that nothing else can satisfy that hunger in your heart except God's eternity, the eternity of the eternity. That nothing on the earth can ever satisfy that faith in your heart accept that to go and walk those steps and go meet God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit face to face, sit down with God. So that is how he created the heart of men. And he says, therefore, the propensity, the capacity, the tendency, the tendency for you as a church to rapidly prepare for eternity, when God flashes eternity to you, flashes the tears to you, He says that, that, that capacity is too high because of this narrative here, this design, this creation by design, of your heart. That when you would see the glorious stairs of heaven, your heart would yearn, would long, would hunger, would hunger, the void in your heart, would hunger for God. For going to heaven and meeting God. And that's why before we go into how Christ Jesus unclad the hearts of all men with strings, eternal strings, tied into the heart, pulling onto the throne room in heaven. Everybody on the earth has a string pulling them there. That's what the Lord is saying here. Everybody has capacity to detect eternity and take it. That was words, prepare. How then is this message urging the church to prepare for eternity? That's what I want to look at, look at in this very short statement. How then, how is this message preparing, I mean, facilitating, enhancing the church, urging the church to prepare for her eternity? How? You have seen from Isaiah, we just read from Isaiah now, the book of Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 7, the prophecy, the pronouncement that defined the path, the path the Messiah would follow as he comes to us, as he comes to humankind, as he brings the covenant of the grace, as he brings the way of the cross. And you see, Isaiah was talking about the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, and then he was talking about the Galil of the Gentiles. In other words, That is where the Messiah would launch his ministry from and spill it over. The revival would spill over. The light would spill over unto the ends of the earth. Why? Because salvation is to the Jews, church, and then to the nation. I recall his mission, the mission to bring light. So how then is the church supposed to prepare? Because it says your hearts have capacity to detect those chairs to detest eternity when it's flashed into the sky, or over the earth, and then pet it, in other words, prepare for it. Abandoning everything else. So can we then use Isaiah's narrative to be able to see the instruction the Lord is giving this generation on how to prepare for eternity, how to prepare for the glorious kingdom of God that is coming? First of all, We know it too well that darkness was over the earth before the Messiah came all into sin, the consequence of sin, and then light came and chased away the darkness. So let us look at the Messiah's coming. John chapter 1. Let's begin right from there. John chapter 1. From verse 1 we'll read. we just read as we are enabled. Maybe two verses or so. But John chapter 1. Let us see what the Lord says. So that we may be able to pick from there the instruction that the glorious stairs of heaven, that Jehovah Yahweh is speaking to this generation, this church, by lowering those glorious stairs of heaven, of everlasting life, into the sky, and you are seeing them with your mortal eyes, and of course he says the void in your heart can only be filled by that eternity, so drawing you to eternity. King James says, the book of John chapter 1, I'm reading from verse 1, it says, the to say the Word became flesh. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it says, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. That's King James. But what it says, in Him was life. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. For so now, the book of John now brings to bear, brings to the fore what Isaiah was talking about. The light would be, because Isaiah was essentially saying that the Son of Righteousness, Jua, the Son, the Soul, S U N, the Son of Righteousness was em- was emitting light was emitting the light of righteousness from heaven. But between the sun, the rays of the sun of righteousness, God, and God's people on the earth, all into sin, death had now come from the garden. And so death was standing as a huge mountain between the sun of righteousness, emitting the rays of righteousness, light of righteousness, that was supposed to reach God's people, but now death was in between such only the shadow of death was now over the people. That's what Isaiah was essentially describing about Zebulun, Naphtali, and the Galilee of the Gentiles, and essentially the whole earth. So you can see that while the light of holiness was coming from Yahweh, it was not reaching men. Why? Owing oh, to sin, sin became a stumbling block between mankind and God such that when now death death, the wages of sin is death, when now the rays of the light of God come, they strike death, and only the shadow of death was now casting on mankind before the Messiah came. And I said, we are going to have a greater discussion on the abolition of death. How the Messiah came, according to the description of Isaiah and many other prophets, to come and abolish death, the abolition of death, and remove death as a stumbling block of separation between man and his God, fact that now the light of God, the rays of the light of holiness of God and righteousness of God can now shine on mankind. That is the mission we say. We will look at how the Messiah did that later. But now let us just focus on this light through so the tears of the Lord. What is the message that mankind should take? How should they prepare before we look at you know in, in the other way? how the Messiah did anchor their soul into the throne at the mercy seat. And so in so doing, we see that John chapter 1, it is saying that in him was life, meaning the opposite of death, of course, eternal life. And the life, that life, was the light of man. That is how the Messiah brought light. And he says, verse 5, And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. So, after verse 5, I read NIV. Maybe let me try to amplify it. says, In the beginning, before all time, was the word, Christ, Jesus the Messiah. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God Himself. And then he goes on to say, He was present originally with God. All things were made and came into existence through Him. And without Him was not even one thing made that has come into being. And he goes on to say, verse 4, John chapter 1, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines on the darkness, for the darkness has never overpowered it put it out, or absorbed it, or appropriated it, and is unreceptive to it. So he really describes how darkness has no power, jurisdiction over life. So now we see that the Lord lowers the glorious stairs of eternity into the sky, And the purpose of lowering the chairs into the sky is to remind you that, look, you were created for heaven up here. Because I created you with a void in your heart, with a chip, if you will, in your heart, with some little piece of eternity I placed in your heart, that when it's all said and done about going about here and the going in and the going out, the coming and the going on the earth, When the moment comes for eternity, when eternity is presented to you, even through the glorious earth, you would prioritize, abandon everything else, and now take eternity by preparing for eternity. And the question I brought forward to you, I put to you, is how then does the church prepare? How is the Lord? What is the instruction to the church from the glorious earth? Now we are running into Isaiah talking about the light, the wonderful light Jesus brought. And we're reading the book of John, and we see the life of Christ that has now brought life to those that were living in darkness. So then we can right away understand that the Lord is urging the church on the following, that you should be the children of God. You should be the children of the life, and in that way you can become, you can be, the children of God that walk the glorious earth and go to meet their Father where the key of life is in the eternal kingdom of glory. Because you see now, Isaiah exhausts the light. In other words, God is using the glorious terms of eternity through these scriptures I've read today to urge, to encourage the church, to encourage the believer, to walk as the body of believers, to walk as the children of the light, the light of Christ. And he says, whoever takes him, walks with him, can never walk in darkness. You can imagine when Christ Jesus brought the salvation of God. He really brought light. He brought light upon mankind. Many times in the healing services, Nakuru Menengai in many places. Of course, today there are so many mighty miracles. We don't even have enough time to sit with one. That is the work happening across the villages right now. The big celebration going on where churches are gathering with the blind, the cripples that were healed, and they're celebrating trading centers and shopping centers in the villages, in towns, in the streets. But that work that is being done, the testimony taking where the parents are there, the relatives are there, they're narrating the story of this person was born blind, this person stayed like this, could not go to the restroom, was knocking things, was getting hurt, was breaking the legs as they fall in ditches and holes. So that, that narrative should have taken place, really, if we had enough time, at the Nakuru Menengai, at the ground of the meeting. But what am I saying here? I'm saying, many times when their eyes open and you get a moment, if there was time, to interview them, some of them say they have seen too much light. Too much light. That's the first thing that, thing that strikes them, say, the light is too much. This light is too much, I cannot stand it, because they try to close their eyes. Or it's worse when you present them a piece of paper, the reflection, or a white cloth. So can you imagine that these blind people whose eyes Jesus has been opening in these meeting? have been in total darkness, totally in total darkness. Can you ever imagine that, beloved people? I want to use this example to, to be able to bring to you the wonder works that Jesus brought to mankind. But once you live in total, absolute obscurity, absolute obscurity, absolute darkness, total darkness, pitch darkness, no light, you are not in light. I remember this wonderful lady in Lima, Peru, quite aged, has been blind for all her life. And when her eyes opened on that last day of Lima, Peru, the meeting, the revival, when the Lord instructed me to command heaven, at the time I stood before God, and I spoke to Yahweh, and I said, Lord, you're welcome here, Lord. Lord, we are waiting for you to open heaven here and bring brain here, the bread came. At that moment, there was a lot that was happening there, so much, so it was live on TV. On, on it was live on stream. There is a woman that was born totally behind there, among the blind, whose blind eyes actually opened at that instant. We didn't even give her enough, uh, enough, uh, enough attention because of the rain that came down, the rain of Christ, the rain of God, the trees that fell on us there. I remember too well that at the time when now heaven poured down, that woman was telling me, I answered, can you now see a thing? Yes, I can see light. I can see light. So can you imagine the work that Jesus did to remove mankind from absolute darkness? And I'm trying to use the example, I'm trying to use this case, this model, of totally blind people, born blind, have not seen light before, whose eyes Jesus opens wherever he sends me. And the first thing you hear them crying out, Oh, the light is too much light. I've seen light. I've seen light. That's what the first thing they say. I am using this to transmit to you the message that the Lord has lowered across the sky to this generation about eternity through the glorious tears that He has so privileged you to even see with immortal eyes. And I say, Isaiah said, you come to do that work, to open that way that we see the sky as light. You bring life by abolishing death to removal of death between God and man, and now allow the light of God to permeate, to reach mankind. And I'm saying that when God sent Christ Jesus to save his people, it is God, essentially, opening the eyes of the blind. The whole world was blind. In absolute darkness. Totally blind. Total blindness. And when Christ Jesus brought the light, he opened the eyes of mankind that mankind could now see the light of God. The light that by abolishing death, now they could see the light of God the light that was coming from God himself. The light that is until this day coming from the Lord Yahweh himself. Do you understand why Isaiah talked about the light? That the people living in darkness, a light has gone. Those living in the valley of the shadow of death, now a light has gone. And in so doing, you can essentially say, Christ Jesus in his mission, he came to deliver humanity, deliver the church, if you will, from darkness. The darkness that had beclouded and overshadowed the whole earth. And so therefore, let's begin right from there. If he came to remove the church from darkness, mankind from darkness, then we now understand that the only way for you as a Christian, a believer, or whoever, the only way in which you can now be able to prepare for eternity after seeing the glorious stars that Yahweh has lowered into the sky at this time is now to be able to receive the light of Christ and walk in the light of Christ. In other words, become the children of light and walk as the children of God, and walk as the children of the light of God. He said, only they will climb those stairs." in So let's begin right here from the book of Colossians and see the instruction the Lord is giving the church on how to prepare before we discuss the anchoring of the souls on the mercy seat that is in the throne of God in heaven. The book of Colossians, chapter 1, beloved people, Colossians chapter 1, Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, Colossians 1, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, he says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loved, And we know it too well that in the narrative we have read, from John chapter 1, that this Son of God he is the light of the world. He came as light. Isaiah saw him coming as light. John has prepared it very well there. He documented it as he is the light of the world. Through his life, the world saw light. He offered his life and abolished death, that the light of God now permeated. Arise, it reached man. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loved in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Very powerful. So the instruction then is very clear, that the Lord has lowered those glorious stairs in heaven, in able to urge this generation, to encourage this child, the present-day child, to go back and now walk as children of the light, to walk in the light of God. Because already Christ removed the darkness, removed us from the darkness. John chapter 8 verse 12, John chapter 8 verse 12, the instruction the Lord is giving the church at this time. John 8 verse 12, it says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Very powerful. 1 Peter, so now, this is a very powerful thing the Lord did. He brought light to the church. He brought the light of God now, reaching all the way to humanity by abolishing death, cancelling death, destroying death, and now, Lord, in the glorious church, Remind this generation to walk in the light of God. In other words, to walk away from darkness, the darkness of this world, and make sure that they now walk as the children of the light, to walk away from the darkness of this world. How often? And you see very powerfully that those that walk in the light of God, there is certain fruit There is a certain characteristic that is expected of them to bear. In other words, by lowering the glorious stars of eternity into the sky, the Lord was urging the church, urging mankind, encouraging them, calling upon them, making a clarion call to the sky that please make sure that you walk in the light of God. Time is over. Why? Because only those that have walked as children of the light, in the life of God, will climb those stairs and enter the kingdom of life. And that reminds me very well when one time Jehovah came to speak with me, God the Father, came to speak with me about the rapture of the church, the coming of the Messiah, the taking of the bride, about the eternity of the house of the Lord, of the body of Christ, of the believer. Christian believer. And by voice, and by writing, he wrote and said by voice that Melchizedek's day, he calls it Melchizedek's day. Melchizedek's day is known as the day of life. In other words, urging this generation to walk in the light of God, to so make sure you walk in the light of God. Otherwise, you're going to be disappointed. Because Christ Jesus the Messiah already came and abolished the stumbling block that was creating the shadow of death. He abolished death. So the light reached mankind. So please choose light, Walk in the deeds of life. Walk in the light of God. Walk as children of the light. And he's saying the children of the light, those are the children of God that will climb the stairs and go meet God the Father, their Father in heaven, right where the tree of life is. So then, by lowering the glorious chairs of heaven, the glorious chairs of light in heaven, the Lord is encouraging this generation to walk in the light of God. In the light of God, beloved people. First John, first John chapter one, verse five. Verses five all the way to seven. First John chapter one. This is what he says. First John chapter one, five to seven. First John chapter one. Five to seven. He says This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In Him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is the light, we have fellowship with one another. And blood of Jesus' Son purifies us from all sin. In other words, takes away all the death that would have blocked life from us. Give us access to eternity. So the Lord is urging the present day church, this generation, to walk in the life. The Lord is asking this generation to be children of the life. To walk in the life. generation here to be born again and receive the blood of Jesus and the cross as Calvary the salvation that he laid out on that altar of the cross and then be born again and that when they walk when you walk in the light. You must also yield for the fruit of light. The fruit of the light of God. Righteousness. Holiness. To be spirit-filled. above, Integrity. Beyond reproach. Faithfulness. Godliness. Wisdom. Fear of God. all those things, trustworthiness, righteousness, holiness, fear of God, wisdom, spirit field, garment of righteousness, aim in the book of life, (laughs) integrity, trustworthiness, patience, endurance, kindness, love, joy, many So by looking in the glorious chairs of heaven into the sky, the Lord is indeed calling for this present-day church to walk in the light, to go back to walk in the light that they may enter, to walk in the light of Christ that they may enter, to walk in the light of Christ that they, the they may see eternity. other side of the break, we'll come back and continue the message, beloved people, because remember, we still have to deal with how Christ anchored the souls of all men at the mercy seat on the throne of God in heaven, and why this generation is more advantaged now, you have seen the articles of eternity. May the Lord bless you. Thank you.